Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Jason Forrest. He's the author of Leadership Sales Coaching, Transforming from Manager to Coach. Welcome, Jason. Good to have you with us. Thank you. Good to be here. Right off the bat, you opened the book, and there was a quote that really struck me. It's from a senior VP of a Fortune 500 company. He writes, this approach has never been done before. And that really grabs you because it's like, well, what is this about? (laughs) What hasn't been done before? So tell us. So to me, the the best ideas come from the the outside versus the inside. And so what I did is I, I studied the world's best sales coach the world's best sales managers and all the books that were written out there. And, and, and I felt like none of them really got it right. And, and I'm a big sports guy, and I, I, I like people like uh, Pete Carroll, the winning coach of Seattle Seahawks, and Nick Saban, the coach of Alabama, and Augie Grito, the, the winningest um, uh, college baseball coach right. um, in U.S. history. And so I started to say, okay, what, what do they do differently? And so, for example, like, what, what's a sport that you follow? Tennis. Tennis, okay. Yeah. So who would you say is a coach that you really admire? Um, Serena Williams' coach. If Serena's coach was running a sales team, uh, well, they run it differently than the majority of the sales managers out there. Good distinction. Right. They, they would, right? right? I mean, they run it completely differently. If you think about it, one of the things that I believe is that no one wants to be managed, but everyone wants to be coached. Interesting. You know, no one, so, so no one likes to be managed. I mean, people don't like to feel like they're doing something to them. They want something done for them. And, and so I started studying the world's best coaches out there. Again, the Serena's coaches and Augurito's and, and the Nick Saban's and the Pete Carroll's. And I studied everything they did. And my premise was is that a salesperson is an athlete, and they must be coached like an athlete, not managed like an employee. They're very different. They're very right. different human beings. I mean, For sure. They're, um, they're corporate gladiators. Right, uh, right. And so they must be conditioned and transformed like a gladiator. Well, in order to do that, they got to have coaches in their life, not managers. It's very different than managing someone who's working a nine-to-five cubicle job. Right. I mean, the thing about salespeople that are very different is that is they're all they're all desiring to make worth it money. You have to revere the science and the art of selling in order to be a great coach for them. But what's different is, you know, salespeople sign up for a straight commission job so they can make worth it money. Mm-hmm. And I mean worth it money is worth the sacrifice of missing nights, weekends, and major holidays. Sure. Because salespeople, they're not working nine to five. You know, they're working. Yeah, you're, they're always on the they're, clock. They're always on the clock. Right, right. And so they desire to make a certain level of income. We have to respect that and revere that. We have to give them the skill set and the mindset and the beliefs and the why in order to do that. Uh, but if you look at the best examples of that are Nick Saban. You know, Nick Saban with Alabama, for example, when he calls parents to recruit them into to play for, for Alabama, he'll say to them, you can choose to send your, your kid anywhere. But if you choose us, first we're going to grow your son uh, to be a better human being. Because that's what matters after football is over. Number two is we're going to grow him to be a better student so he can learn something. And number three is we'll make him a world-class football player. Well, that's that's what great coaches do. Mm -hmm. So great coaches are all about how do I grow you as a human being first and make you think at a higher level, make you perform at a higher level, remove all your, your, your fears and your reluctances, your concerns that are holding you back, and then teach you the skills along the way. Do you find that that's the biggest distinction in terms of companies? That's what they're doing wrong? They're, they have managers, not coaches, and, and you talk about this. There's a shift there. Is that, is that the, the basic problem you see? That is the big shift. I mean, where I learned this is I was the typical story where I was the top 1% sales professional. Mm-hmm. I was the sales gladiator, loved sales, and I got promoted to become a sales manager. Okay. And then I would go out there, and my boss, I said, well, what am I supposed to do when I go and work with these salespeople? And they said, well, they like, um, they like gifts, so bring them a Starbucks, you know, and ask them how you can help them. And so I would go out there and I'd say, hey, salesperson, how can I help you? Uh-huh. Say, well, here's how you can do, you know, you can get uh, better marketing for me. You can get me better, better product. You can get corporate off my back. 
And so I would go over to corporate and I'd say, hey, here's what I need, better, need mm-hmm. better marketing. Kind of like a robot. Kind of like a robot. Boom, 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 right. Yeah, I called myself an overpaid admin, like an overpaid just boy, like working for the salespeople. I didn't know what I was doing. Sure. And so then, just all of a sudden, I ended up, there was a job to become a, a national sales trainer for a Fortune 500 company. And when I was growing up, Zig Ziglar was my Sunday school teacher. And so I've always loved that. My mom is a debate coach, and mm-hmm. so I was always in that speaking, kind of teaching world. And so I got this job and to be a, a trainer. And so I would have salespeople that would call me up and say, hey, Jason, when can you come spend time with me? And I'm like, all right, I'll do that. And I would come out there and give a couple pointers to them, teach them how to be better. And one person, Christine, called me up one day. She said, Jason, when can you come out? I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, last time you were here, you gave me some skills, some pointers. You changed how I saw things, which is a, a very important thing for a person to say. You changed how I saw things. You changed my perspective. Mm-hmm. And now I made an extra $3,000 off your tip, and I want more money. And so I said, why don't you get your manager to do that? And my manager doesn't do that. She gets corporate off my back. She gets my paperwork approved, she gets me better marketing. And I realized at that moment that I was actually being a coach accidentally as a trainer, but all the managers out there based upon their job description, what they were doing, were just, were managing. Right. But she wanted me to spend more time with her. She wanted more. She wanted more coaching. And so the simple distinction between a manager and a coach is very easy. Mm -hmm. Managers make people's lives easier. Coaches make people better. That's that's an interesting distinction. It sounds like that was the big aha Mm -hmm. moment for you, this idea of People, this woman was saying, you gave me this skill set, and then you said, bye, see ya, good luck. But she said, hey, it worked. Now I want more. I want to go from 3000 to 6000 What mm-hmm. else can you tell me? And that seems like that, that's that the, the line that was drawn from manager to, to coach, and that's where you came in with this book, which is really, I should say, comprehensive because there's 15 strategies. You have 75 principles. So just yeah. as I'm reading this, I was just curious about the process. What was the genesis like of putting this together, and why 75, not 84? Why not 92? You know, what was left on the cutting room floor? Sure, yeah. So again, we spent over 1,000 hours studying the world best coaches in the athletic world, in the singing world, in the performance arts world. And I took their best practices and just applied it to my clients. Mm-hmm. And so honestly, I first, I, I need to thank my clients that they entrusted me to be human guinea pigs. Right. I mean, Force Performance Group is a performance group company, meaning that we are all about unleashing profit through people. And so I went out there and I would practice these ideas and with them on weekly conference calls and coaching sessions. And the stuff that worked is the stuff we kept in the book. And the stuff that didn't work, we didn't put in the book. I mean, that was, so everything is field tested and it's approved by our clients that this stuff actually increases profit through people. This stuff actually works. Sure. So our clients are reducing reducing turnover, increasing sales. Every single one of our clients for the last five years has increased sales over the last five years, which That's... is pretty amazing to say, considering how tough the economy is and how most businesses are going under. Right. Every 100% of our clients have gone up in the last right. five years. Tell us about some of the biggest takeaways in your opinion of the 75. The big thing is this, and that is that, and this is a really big kind of argument in the performance world, the human performance world. So at, at FPG, we believe that on day one of every person's life, you are born perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a complete opposite belief system of some of our some of our counterparts out there that believe on day one, you're born not perfect and you must learn, have, achieve, become, have this degree in order to become perfect. Okay. So we don't believe that. So what we believe is we're very different than everyone else, that true coaches, they unleash you. So what they do is they get inside of you and they say, okay, how can I remove the rules? How can I remove the fears that are holding you back from being the best version of you? Uh, so for example, Taryn, right now, do you have a friend that you can think of that has dated a thousand guys but hasn't found the one? Yeah, probably yeah. one or two. So the question mm-hmm. is why? Mm-hmm. And if I was to go and work with her, even for you know uh, 15 minutes, I could unleash her. Okay. And, and what I would help her realize is that I bet she's she's dated someone who's too religious or not religious enough mm-hmm. or too into family or not into family enough, you know, or uh, too much into work or not into work enough. 
or too healthy or not healthy enough. And so what happens is the number of rules that we have in our life is equal to how happy or unhappy we will be. So what I mean is, is that the areas that you're happiest and most, most successful and most fulfilled are the areas that you don't really have any rules. You're truly unleashed. Okay. And so what I, what I noticed is the best coaches out there, they, they do less pushing new ideas into people and more pulling the greatness from within them. So what's already established? Well, yeah, because we have a belief system and that's that all human beings are born to be great and all you need to be successful is already within you. And so most managers, they try to push stuff in you. But great coaches, I guarantee you Serena Williams' is coach, he spends more time pulling than he does pushing. He spends more time trying to get, get inside that head trash that's inside Serena's head and making little tweaks to remove the fears, remove the alibis, remove the what ifs, mm -hmm. uh, remove the concerns of her being too aggressive or that voice in her head that says, I'm comparing myself to this person or what are people gonna think if I don't succeed or what are they gonna think if I try too hard, don't try enough. And so most of it is actually a mental game. I mean, majority of our success is about 85% mental. I mean, if you notice Pete Carroll, Seattle Seahawks, you know, um, winning coach, what's great about him is every time he, he's on a press release and people say, well, so you lost the game. How do you think you, you know, what, what, what was well, your, what, wrong? what went wrong? And he said, you know what? I don't care about the score. The score is a result. The score takes care of itself. Uh -huh. What I focused on is we came to that game focusing on this one play or these two techniques or these ideas and we, we accomplished that or we didn't accomplish that. Mm -hmm. And we're going to celebrate that or we're going to work on that. Right. And so the difference with coaching is it's all about a process and a journey uh, versus a manager is all about let me, let me compare you to, you either did the result or you didn't do the result. Right, and that, managing seems more black and white, Very whereas coaching white. there's you know more of a gray area. So it's sort of, you're building on the assets already within the individual. Correct. You're also getting in there and you're, you're rewiring their, their computer system, which is sure. really their brain. And so if you look at it, when it comes to human beings, it's very simple. Our programming, which is what we've been told throughout our life, okay, from our teachers, our coaches, our pastors, our parents, our spouses, we've been told, that's our programming, okay, what we drives what we believe, which is what we believe to be true. It doesn't mean it's true, it, just, it means what you it's believe what to been, be true. Right. C-Suite Radio. You spend a lot of time in terms of the six levels of coaching. You get very specific, and you spend a whole chapter on budgeting coaching time. Perfect, and, you, yeah. and you say spend 18% on this, 22% on this. Tell me a little bit about the breakdown and how you came up with it. I wanted to give leaders a, a blueprint of something they can follow. So let's say you've got 60 minutes to coach one of your sales athletes, one of your gladiators out in the field. What do you do? Where do you spend your time? Well, what I did is I noticed that the world's best coaches, this was their breakdown. So. They would spend about 5% of the time on the result, which the result is the score, okay? But the score is the score. It doesn't really matter. Once the score is done, you can't just keep, you can't spend 60 minutes talking about the score. Right. It's the score, you know? It's, yeah. you sold a million dollars this month or you didn't. It is what it is. So then you go down one level and you spend 10% of the time on the activities. And the activities is, what did we do to get the score? So what we're currently doing is equal to what we're currently getting. We gotta change what we're doing to change what we're getting. Okay. Well, once we figure out the activities, we got to make adjustments. And then you go down to the process. The process is 15% of the time. So process is, what is the order of what we need to do? So what's the order of follow-up calls that you're making? Uh, what is the order of when you want to get in front of a C-suite, when you get in front of a C-level executive? What are you doing to get in front of them and be noticed? What's your process? Mm -hmm. And then 15% of the time on the presentation. So process is how you do things. Your presentation is, what are you saying? Like, what's actually coming out of your mouth? Which is important. Yeah. You got to work on that presentation. And then the last piece is 50% and that's on the people. And the people really is the belief system. It's the programming. It's the motivation. It's the fears, the reluctances. So for example, majority of salespeople, they will follow up two times without a response from a customer they're calling on okay. and they'll give up. Hmm. Majority. Two okay? times? Two hmm. times. That's hmm. it. Now the top 1%, they'll follow up until they buy or die. 
because the top 1% is seeking resolution. Mm -hmm. They want to say, you know what, I just want to make sure that you're taken care of. I want to make sure that you've chosen to go with a different vendor or you're chosen to go with us, you're still in the market. I just want to make sure that you are served. Do you find that when you keep, I don't use the word bombard, but push, 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 you ultimately will get an answer or is someone just going to completely ignore, <laughs> you know, the next level of ignore? Mm -hmm. I mean, how do, you, how do you make sure you get a response? Sometimes less is more in some opinions. Maybe so. I mean, the, it, it's, to me, I'm all about what does the top 1% do? Okay. So what I want to do is, again, remember what we believe to be true. And someone says someone, something like, you know, less is more or this or that, maybe, but let's, let's compare it against to the, the top evidence. 1%, yeah. right. So okay. I, don't, I want to let my, I want to get my ego out of the way because my ego is going to cause fear. Okay. And so the less ego I have, remember I said on day one, you're perfect. Uh -huh. Now, Jason, you spend a lot of time in the book talking about the importance of communicating via stories and anecdotes. Mm. Why so? I think stories are like the gateway to someone's soul. And so, for example, the greatest thing that a individual can tell a coach is that you changed how I saw it. See, there's a, a great book actually called Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. She has this uh, phenomenal quote that was actually made famous by Nelson Mandela in his inauguration speech. Okay. And the quote is, my deepest fear is not they're inadequate. My deepest fear is we are powerful beyond measure. It is my strength, not my weakness, that most frightens us. So this quote is just unbelievable. It's, it's just a beautiful quote. But one of the things that she says in her book, which is exactly what great coaching is, is that, that we always ask for miracles in life. And a miracle is... You know, I wish the economy would get better. I wish, you know, my employees would do better. I wish the circumstance would change, or I wish I would get this funding, or those are the miracles we ask. But a true miracle is how can I change my thoughts about this? How can I see this differently? How can I change my perspective? And so great coaching is if I know I've won as a coach, if you say to me, Jason, you helped me see this differently. Right. You helped me see this follow-up call differently. You helped me see asking the customer one more time what's holding you back from choosing us differently. You helped me see the role of a salesperson differently. See, because if I can change their thoughts, that means I've now changed their beliefs, which changed their emotions, which changes their motivation, which changes their behaviors. Right. And the biggest mistake managers make is they spend all the time on the surface on the behavioral level or in the results level. But that does not create sustainable change. In order to change someone's behavior, you have to unleash them by getting to go back to day one of their perfect which is when, right. which is when they see things differently. Right. So instead of focusing on the end result, you got to go to, to square one and talk about that journey to get to that behavioral change, Correct. and that's what these seventy-five principles uh, really encompass. Well, Jason, I hate to say it, but we are out of time. Out of the seventy-five principles, I think maybe we got to three and a half. But it's really informative and it's really life-changing, not just in terms of sales, but it can be applied to so many other disciplines. So thank you. It's really terrific. Thank you. And we have a lot of our uh, clients that now now are using this to actually parent their children. So they're using I, the same coaching principles. It's not surprising. It's really good stuff. And if if you'd like more information on the book, how to buy the book, all you have to do is head to our website. It's csweetbookclub.com. That's c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. Like what you just heard? Visit c-sweetradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-sweetradio.com.